The LA Clippers are on a roll right now, having won 20 of their last 26 games. And just what has allowed the LA Clippers to become one of the hottest teams in the league since the James Harden trade? Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On. We're rolling Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vaziri, born and raised in LA and in my 19th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more LA Clipper and LA sports content. And Locked On Clippers is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where I want you to let me know what you think of these three categories that I've made are the biggest reason that the Clippers are playing as well as they are. Is it sacrifice? Is it the talent? Or is it the process? Obviously, all three of them, and I'll describe and go into depth about each one, all three of them are a factor. But which one is the biggest factor in your opinion? Let me know. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. NFL playoffs are coming up this weekend. So all you got to do is visit FanDuel.com slash, slash locked on and make your first bet or your second bet if you have already bet on FanDuel. But it's going to be exciting. The NFL playoffs are around, but also the NBA is in full effect. And we're almost at the halfway point of the season. And right now, the Clippers are rolling, having won 20 of their last 26 games. It's been very enjoyable the way they've been hooping. 23-13 and 13 right now through 36 games, and they currently sit at fourth in the West. Now, if you recall, we started out 3-7. and seven. We were on a six-game losing streak at one point of the season. And now we've won five out of our last six games. Kawhi Leonard for a second had a 12-game winning streak going, and then it was blown against the Lakers, bounced back against Phoenix, and got the Raptors on Wednesday night, a Raptors team who was pushed to the very final seconds against the Lakers in what was a very competitive and controversial game on Tuesday night. Again, second straight game, Lakers getting the benefit of the officiating, what's new? But anyway, let's talk about the first category and what I believe is always necessary when you have a super team or a team of multiple stars or bigger egos, sacrifice. You hear this all the time when you listen to NBA champions talk about what has made their team successful. And it's all about stars sacrificing. Let's talk about what kind of sacrifices those mean by going through our four guys, four future Hall of Famers, one at a time. Let's start from the top with our best player, Kawhi Leonard. Now, Kawhi's not really sacrificing. The one thing he is sacrificing is touches and playmaking opportunities like in the pick and roll. But that's what he wants to do. He and Paul George have always wanted a point guard. We brought in Rondo, and obviously that was good for the regular season, good until about game four of the Dallas series, and then he showed he was kind of cooked. And after that, you know, Reggie Jackson just kind of had the mantle, but he wasn't necessarily the playmaking point guard that was a very good passer that made life easy 
for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And then we tried with John Wall. That didn't really work out. And then Westbrook was definitely better than anyone we'd had. But they took it a step further, getting James Harden. And Kawhi Leonard right now, as far as assists go, he's averaging 3.4. Last season, he averaged 3.9. In 2021, he averaged 5.2. In 2020, he averaged 4.9. So this is his lowest assist assist per game since 2019 when Kyle Lowry was on his team and he was playing at an all-star level. So Kawhi Leonard wants to sacrifice the assist to playmaking. That's what he wants to do. So in that sense, he's sacrificed, but that's not that big a deal. He was unnecessarily deferring and sacrificing too much when we first had the lineup of Kawhi, Paul, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Ivica Zubats playing together. And of all the lineups, five-man lineups I looked up before this episode that have played 70 or more minutes, the Clippers have only had three five-man lineups qualify for that. The starting lineup that we currently have, the Powell Rangers starting lineup, shout-out to Clips and Dip guys, our former hosts of Locked On, um... James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Norman Powell, and Zoo. So basically our starting lineup, but you take out Terrence and replace him with Norm. And then the other lineup is the Big Four plus Zoo. Now, one of them is statistically an outlier and not in a good way. And that is the Big Four plus Zoo lineup. They've played 71 minutes and they have a minus 26.7 net rating. Now, we've gone away from this lineup over the last month a little bit, a very small stretches that we've revisited it in the last couple of games, and I think it's just maybe to get more data and small sample sizes, but clearly not working. What we've seen, though, is that Russell Westbrook and James Harden can play together, which we've obviously they've played together in the past, but not with Paul George and Kawhi on the court. And why is that, you think? Well, it's very simple. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Russell Westbrook, you know, he is a playmaker. And even if he's deferring to Harden, as a spacer, you know, Russell Westbrook, he's not a very good three-point shooter, but he's still effective in other ways, you know, attacking closeouts, attacking open space, setting screens, cutting, and all that. But you want Russell Westbrook running the show to a degree when he's in the game and having the ball in his hands. That's where he's the most valuable. But with James Harden on the court, James Harden becomes our best playmaker. So Russell Westbrook spends more time off the ball. That's not ideal spacing-wise. And then Russell Westbrook at times will want to do his own thing. And I don't mean his own thing, but I mean he'll want to create because it's just in his nature. And then that takes away from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So it's just very clunky. And look, I've always said, and this is part of the reason I was very resistant about the trade, is I don't like big fours unless it's a very seamless fit. Big threes are fine. We've seen tons of them work out in NBA history. And as I've said, right now this feels like a big three. Not from a marketing and hype perspective. Because when you go to a game, you can't miss Russell Westbrook and the aura that he has. But in terms of minutes and the way they're being used, it's like a big three. James Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George. So Kawhi Leonard hasn't really sacrificed. There's no real difference in shot attempts, which we want. We don't want Kawhi to sacrifice shot attempts. It's just the, the assists, which is what he wants to do. Now, one thing I want to mention, he's averaging 24 points a game right now. I would like to see Kawhi get that number up. That's what he averaged last year. And it's funny, he's averaging the exact same amount of points as he did last year, 23.8. But remember, Kawhi started out very slow, working his way back. He was on a minutes restriction last year, working his way back from that ACL tear. I guarantee you that number will be improved upon as this season progresses. I would like to see him average 25 plus points a game. He's only had three seasons averaging 25 plus, And it was very, you know, it's not, 
a mystery which one those were, 2020, 2019, and 2017. Now, in 2021, he averaged 25 points a game, 24.8, so a full point per game better than these last two seasons. And I think he can easily get up to that number, but even a little bit more with the easiness that he's getting shots with James Harden and, of course, Paul George and Russell Westbrook. In the month of December, he averaged 29 points a game. This month, in the five games that he's played in January, he's only averaging 21. But mind you, he's also coming off a little hip injury. And the best thing of all, we're actually blowing teams out so he plays less. And that's causing him to have less points. And that's totally fine. And you'll never see that in the stat sheet. So I believe that Kawhi will get his numbers up. But I, I like that he's sacrificing the least. Let's talk about Paul George. You really have no difference in shot attempts with Paul George as 2021. That's exactly what you want to see. So Paul George isn't really sacrificing as much. He's sacrificing the assists as well and the playmaking as well. But again, he's even more vocal about that he doesn't want to be on the ball. That's why he publicly campaigned for Russ. His assist numbers are lower than last year, lower than 2022, lower than 2021, and even lower than 2020, 2019. Lowest assist per game for Paul George since 2018 when he first got to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So you see the sacrifice there. Points per game-wise, though, right where he kind of was last year. Last year, he averaged 23.8, so he and uh, Kawhi had the exact same PPG. This year, 23.2, which is, you know, 0.6 less. That's fine, especially given who we have and the weapons that we have. So I like that Paul George isn't really sacrificing. But here's the main sacrifice, guys. James Harden and Russ. And obviously, Russ more than anyone. That's not even a question. But James Harden, you know, I think he's still getting to do what he wants to do, which is have the ball in his hands the most and run the show and kind of be the engine of our offense. Or the, well, He's the table setter of our offense. But here's some, the biggest sacrifice, in my opinion, is statistical. You know, guys in the past, they want to get their numbers. They want to make sure they show what they can do. James Harden, when he went to OKC, he wanted to show what he could do. And after that, it felt like he was just racking up stats. And at times, you know, Westbrook and Harden have both been accused in the past of padding stats and whatnot. And this is great to see them both sacrifice their stats massively. James Harden, lowest minutes per game since 2012. Lowest field goals made since 2012. Lowest field goal attempts. Lowest three-point field goal attempts. Lowest free throw attempts all since 2012. Lowest rebounds per game since 2013-14. Lowest assists per game since 2019-20 when he played with Russ again. I'm surprised he didn't have more assists than with how much he had the ball. But I, I looked at his stats and, and I watched more uh, Rockets games that year than any year with James Harden because of, because of Russ. But he was just shooting a lot more in 2019 and 2020. Statistically, it's just a fact. And also his lowest points per game since 2012. But... Best field goal percentage since 2021 Brooklyn. And the best three-point percentage as of now of his entire career with 43. That's huge. All of those the lowest since 2012. If I just read that to you, you would think he's not having a good season. But he's having a great season. James Harden has been exceptionally great in his role. And he's sacrificing his stats and shot attempts. And then Russell Westbrook, the ultimate sacrifice. Career lows in minutes. Field goals made. Field goal attempted. Free throws made. Free throws attempted. Assists per game. Turnovers, that's a good one. But that goes hand in hand with the fact that he's getting less minutes. Lowest PPG of his career. Lowest three-point attempts since 2011. I actually like that. But career lows in so many categories across the board. The ultimate sacrifice was made when Russell Westbrook went to the bench. Because that's what started the 20... 
out of 26 game run. And the Clippers have looked like one of the best teams in the league since then. He's allowed James Harden to now do his thing. And he still brings energy off the bench, but it's in a far limited role. A role in which, to be honest, he's too good for. But I'm not the one complaining that we have a player of this stature and caliber coming off the bench and giving us that kind of energy, playmaking, and ability. It's been amazing. And you hear it from every NBA champion. Sacrifice. The biggest one is statistical because in 10 years, 15 years, let's say the Clippers win the championship, you're going to say, oh, Russell Westbrook wasn't that big of a part of it. No, because had he, had he said, no, I'm not going to the bench, either you get rid of me or you're starting me and we'll figure it out, things would have never been this great in my opinion. You know, some Russ fans believe that they didn't let it play out enough. Listen, I've seen enough of the big four together. <laughs> I like the lineup we have now. The starting lineup has a plus 16.7 net rating, the new starting lineup in 21 games. Then the Harden, Paul, Kawhi, Powell, Zubats lineup has a plus 31.6 net rating. So some really good lineups. And it's all because of the sacrifice of all of our guys. And coming up, going to be talking about the talent, what the actual talent is producing on the floor that has made it so hard for other teams. Going to be talking about that coming up. I got to tell you a little something about FanDuel. America's number one sports book. The NFL playoffs are here, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, bets in the new Explore tab, and... I recommend that you place your bets for the Clippers to win it all. Right now, the odds are still not as... They're going to get higher, I'm telling you. So you got to go now. Now. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so the Clippers... Have won 20 of their last 26 games. They have more talent than we've ever had. Let's talk about that talent. We've never had a third star. With all due respect to go DJ. That's my DJ. Mr. DeAndre Jordan. He was not a third star. He made the all-star team once in 2016. You want to know why he made it? See, real Clipper fans know this. You want to know why he made it? Because Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. As you know, Chris Paul made it. He may have been injured a bit in the beginning of the season, but I remember, no, he was injured during the All-Star game. That's what it was. And then Blake Griffin, he, injured him, he got injured on Christmas with that quad injury, and then he punched the trainer that caused him to be out. But yeah, Chris, no, Chris Paul was an All-Star in 2016. I forget if he could play in the game or not in that All-Star game. But yeah, DeAndre Jordan made it, but I don't really consider him like a true All-Star. Oh, you know what it was? Let me let me let me double check this. DeAndre Jordan may have been an All Star in 2017 because of the injuries that we had. I remember saying we're we're the fourth seed, and yeah, it was 2017. That's right. So Chris and Blake were both hurt, and he made the All Star team because we needed a representative, and we were the fourth seed, and he played like every game. So he made it that year, but he was not a true third star, and we saw that in the playoffs over and over with all due respect. James Harden is a very clear third star, and we have Russell Westbrook coming off the bench, and he was ready to make a big impact this year as a starter if that's what it came down to, and I think he would have had a great year. So the talent is just a lot, right? Let's look at why it's so hard to guard us. So Kawhi Leonard, 
I mean, he's just a demon one-on-one, right? If you double, now you have a new shooter in there, a guy that can attack closeouts and make plays in James Harden that we didn't have before because Russell Westbrook, as great as he is, he's a better cutter than James. He's a better screener than James. Probably better off the ball overall in terms of movement. But catch and shoot, spacing, James Harden helps the offense more in that sense. And then you talk about James Harden running pick and roll. Now we have an element that we haven't had really in the 2-1-3 era, a pick-and-roll god, a pick-and-roll maestro, the best one since Chris Paul that we've had. And not only has that helped Ivica Zubats get a bunch of easy baskets because teams have to go over the screen, if you want to take away Ivica Zubats on the roll because you're already taking away James Harden, well, you've got Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Terrence Mann waiting on the wings. Terrence Mann, of course, has been the guy that teams have funneled the ball to, and he has struggled massively from three this year. But in the new year, he is shooting very well from three, and I promised I would let you guys know what his updated three-point percentage is after the game against Phoenix, so let's take a look at it. Terrence Mann is now shooting 26% from three on the year. He needs to keep shooting it. I think that percentage will go up as he continues to make shots and shoot with confidence, and I think now we're going to start seeing that second half of the season, Terrence, which is a very solid shooter from three, but it's hard to guard that. Think about when you have Norman Powell in the game. Now you have three shooters. So take your pick. You're seeing Kawhi and Paul George get more open shots than ever. Then you have Norman Powell, who was on track to be one of the six man of the year candidates last year before he hurt his shoulder towards the end of the year. You have him playing a lot of minutes, and he's a perfect fit around Kawhi, Paul, and Harden because he'll just catch and shoot and attack closeouts. He doesn't need too many dribbles to do things. And I love how Norman Powell hasn't really been shot hunting when he's out there with him. And then you have Russell Westbrook coming off the bench and giving you that kind of talent against second units. I mean, his rebounding is unbelievable. His athleticism is just, he's 35 years old and he's still the most athletic guy on the court a lot of nights. It's truly remarkable. And the energy that he brings to home games is something else. And he's really probably the most vocal leader on the team. Now, of course, I'm not in the locker room, but this is what everyone sees. This is what everyone says. This is what I witness when I'm at the games. He is the life of the party. He's always talking. He's always chirping. And I love that. That's why he has so many teammates that speak up for how great he is as a teammate. Even some of the guys in Lakerland, Austin Reeves, spoke up about him. I think I'm even the only one I can think of. But... The Lakers was an outlier experience, in my opinion. Every other place that Russell Westbrook has gone, his teammates have only given him glowing reviews, and I can see why. I mean, I could always see why before he got here, but it's even more obvious seeing it on a nightly basis. And his ability to get to the rim is very needed. You know, we have a team that's on the older side. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George don't always get to the paint. James Harden gets to it more than them, but he doesn't get to it the way he used to. As I said, career low in free throw attempts. It's nice that Russell Westbrook is able to get some downhill rim pressure and also a transition threat. And, of course, the rebounding he does, the defense that he's been playing this season. You know, I love that he's been coming in with a defensive attitude, been super active off the ball in terms of anticipation and rotation. And you know Russ has that highlight block in him that he's been doing several times this season throughout it. So Russ has just been awesome. The talent level of the Clippers is massive. We have a super team that fits together. It's like James Harden in Brooklyn, but with better defensive personnel. Literally what it is. It might not be as good of a James Harden that's an MVP candidate. I mean, he still could be putting up better stats than this and another team in a smaller role. I mean, I'm sorry, in a bigger role. Same with Russell Westbrook. But again, they've done it all. And Harden said it best, you know. I've done all the scoring. Now it's time for me to win. And, of course, he wants to get paid. That's why he didn't stay in Philly. But, of course, they breached his trust as well. And 
I love it. He's been pretty awesome so far. I love the career low in free throw attempt stat because one of the things about Harden that I just didn't like and a lot of people didn't was the foul baiting. And I think it still comes out at times. I've never seen a player get some of the calls that he gets. It's unbelievable. But I like that it's on my side now. But he hasn't really relied on it. He hasn't abused it. And it's because he's not always looking to score. And I've said several times on my show and this show, James Harden has done a really good job so far of knowing when it's time to get his and knowing when it's time to feed the other guys. And that's the most important thing for me of a point guard is, and any great player is knowing when to go to certain things. And I think hopefully in this role, he will find that balance better than he's ever had. And that will result in maybe his first finals appearance since 2012. First or his only finals appearance besides 2012. Or maybe his first conference finals appearance since 2018. I hope. Russell Westbrook hasn't been in the conference finals since 2016. So it'd be nice to get these guys back there. <laughs> With a team that the conference finals used to like be forbidden territory. But the talent level is just something else. And when Kawhi Leonard was playing at such a high level... And as I said in the first segment, sacrificing is being done by Harden and Russ, but not even really Paul and Kawhi. That's what you want. So it's also the talent level of the Clippers. We just have more talent than a lot of teams. And I've never felt the way that I do watching this team play as a Clipper fan ever that I'm just like, they just don't have the talent to keep up with us. Like James Harden is being guarded by team's third best defenders a lot of nights. That's very, very relevant compared to last year in Philly where he's getting the second best or the best perimeter guy. So... That's what I have to say about that. But coming up, the process, the approach, the attitude. How is that different from previous years? And why is that such a big part of the Clippers' success so far? Going to be talking about that coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you need someone to talk to, someone that can be there to help you navigate some tough situations and just help you dig deep and find the truest version of you Well, BetterHelp is the place to go. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves and have all these New Year's resolutions. Instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right, taking baby steps. We always want to take the extreme steps when it's a new year. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so to close out the show, the main thing I've noticed from the Clippers this season is the difference in attitude, the process. From training camp, the vibes were different. They really were. You had Ty Lue in the summer league. You had Lawrence Frank in his exit interview saying, we need to respect the regular season. You know what that translation means? We didn't respect it like we should have this past season. Regardless of the injuries and the bad luck, the load management was excessive. The pulling players out mid-game with their minutes restriction when they had already exceeded it was excessive. The Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris persistence was excessive. The no center was, was naive and silly. The process was unserious, completely. And a lot of times the team just didn't come out with the right attitude. Take that game against Denver we played last year in January, for example, almost a year ago at this time. 
and we had him on national television and we got embarrassed. We couldn't make shots and we just quit. And Ty Lue pulled the plug and didn't play Kawhi and Paul the entire second half. And then we had a back-to-back the next night in Minnesota and that was our 41st game of the season and we didn't play either of them. That was nuts to me. Like, that that was okay. Like, as if our whole approach last season, I remember Kawhi even said, the regulars, I don't care about the regular season. Like, we get what you mean, but it's not a good to hear the leader of the team say that. Just because he's a demon in the postseason and he always plays hard doesn't mean it's good to hear that. Also, Nicholas Batum saying, you know, don't expect anything till Christmas. That was also ridiculous. Like, just things that are like, why should we even, okay, then let's not care till the playoffs as fans. So this season, they've t- talked about going out and trying to win every game and letting the chips fall where they may in the playoffs instead of the, as long as we get to the playoffs healthy, we're good. And you see it. You saw it from day one. You saw it from Terrence Mann being a starter before the season began. You saw it with Robert Covington being used and Marcus Morris not being used to start the year. And now you've seen it with within five games putting Westbrook on the bench. I know the story was he volunteered, but from everything I heard, that was not the case. I also don't believe that Russell Westbrook, when he's playing so well and all the net rating and all the stats favored him at the time, that he would just volunteer to go to the bench to appease his boy. I think he's okay with it because he's boys with James Harden, and that's what I really underestimated. And his, his attitude, in the beginning, he looked a little bit disappointed and his body language wasn't great those first couple of games, but then he really found his role there. I know he did this with the Lakers, but his body language wasn't the same. It wasn't the same in games where he got minimal minutes. This is different because he's playing with his boys and he's playing with an organization that loves and respects him and has been transparent with him and a fan base that loves him as well. And you can sense that when he comes into the game. Clipper Nation loves Russ and Russ loves Clipper Nation. And that's the truth. So the process, though, is amazing. To get guys to buy in like this, like look what Ty Lue's done. Reggie Jackson, revival. Nicholas Batum, revival. Daniel Tice, revival. James Harden, bought in completely. Russell Westbrook, sacrifice and buy in completely. And he was the one that people were like, oh, you know, his biggest haters were like, he might be out of the league. He's never going to play. Even non-haters were saying he's not going to play a role for a winning team. I honestly was one of those people. I thought his, he was just going to go to a team like, like the Wizards situation and just get him to the playoffs, put up great numbers, but he wasn't going to ever be able to play a big role in a championship team. And then he really proved me wrong with the way he looked for us last season in the second half of the season. I really enjoyed what I saw. And I know we started out 0-5, but we bounced back and we're trending in the right direction right before Paul George got hurt. And something that people don't want to talk about is that we had Zubats missing some of those games and we played against Denver on the road, Sacramento twice, Golden State on the road. So it wasn't all the easiest games in the world. But anyway, the process has just been so different. The defensive intensity on a night-to-night basis from everyone from Zoo to Harden has been great. And the playing of back-to-backs, like, I know they're healthier, but Kawhi's playing back-to-backs, and we're kicking teams' asses on the second night of back-to-backs. Like, this is, we're not even questioning if they're playing or not. Kawhi Leonard said before the season, we're not doing a load management this year. He was right. He wasn't joking. And I love it. So that matters. Kawhi's only missed four games. Paul George has only missed two. Russ and Harden haven't missed any knock on wood. That's what we needed. We need luck as well. That's the biggest thing is we need luck. But our process needs to be, we got to win every game we can. We need that top three seed. And I know we're going to get it. I know we are, barring injury. 23-13 and 13 right now. We've been a top three seed in our history in 2014 and in 2015 and in 2020. That's it. Just those three years. 2020, we didn't even reap the benefits of it because it was a bubble. 
So 2014 and 15, and we got brutal seven-game series in the first round with San Antonio and Golden State. I mean, it's going to be brutal regardless. It's the West. But, man, let's go as high as we can. We need top three. If we don't get top three, we're not winning the ring. I stand by that again. But the reason why I haven't mentioned it much is because I think we can get it, and I think we're going to get it. And that's, that's the main reason you're bringing in James Harden, too, is regular season floor raiser. He's an all-timer. So, and he's fairly available, even though last season he had his injury problems, especially in the beginning. But yeah, those are my three reasons why the Clippers are doing so well. The sacrifice, the talent, and the process, and the seriousness from the top down is just different. They know this is last chance saloon to a degree. They know that this is a contract year for Kawhi and Paul. They have a chance to opt into the final year next year, but if they want an extension, they got to prove they can be available for a year and get us into the playoffs healthy. And Kawhi Leonard, I'm still relishing that day to see him play in front of a sold-out Clipper crowd. It's been five years and we still haven't gotten it. Hopefully this fifth year is the one. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more LA Clipper and LA sports content. And Locked On Clippers is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Let me know which one of those three categories you think is the biggest difference to why the Clippers, or the biggest reason to why the Clippers are rolling on all cylinders. Thank you. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers. I'll be in the building on Wednesday night against the Toronto Raptors. That should be a win. We should make it 21 out of 27. If you see me at the game, holler at me, section 207, and outside the game. If you want to share your thoughts, I will be across from the Kareem statue next to Tom's, the bar, to the left of it. Okay? So check me out. I'll hopefully see several of you at the game. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.